You've tuned into all things fine and gentry with the connoisseur, French Thompson, where consistently we bring you ideas, concepts, and exposure to thoughtful content, lifestyle enhancements, and opportunities to improve yourself and those around you. Thank you for tuning in and taking a listen to this week's episode. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to another episode of All Things Fine and Gentry. This is the Connoisseur French Thompson, and I'm so grateful for each and every one of you all for joining us. To my recurring listeners, to our recurring listeners, the connoisseurs, thank you for uh, sticking with us and connecting and sharing along the way. And if this is your first time, we welcome you. We hope that um, you enjoy the episode and uh, you actually go and listen to a couple of other episodes and share, like, become a subscriber, follower if you're on Apple and be able to um, to connect with us and continue uh, down this path of, of becoming a connoisseur of all things. Uh, so we are in the middle of our um, uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen series. Um, this is our second episode, some some super uh, exciting things and people we're going to have on the podcast I hope that you enjoyed last week's episode with my dad. I got some really good feedback on that. And if you you hadn't got a chance to take a listen to it, please tune in. So today um, I have an episode that was recorded a little while ago, but I held on to it uh, for this series. And so uh, we're going to tune right into that and hope that you enjoy. All right. I don't have a stranger uh, to the to the podcast, but it is somebody that's that's graced us before. Uh, in a different light, but we're going to dig into it a little bit more. So today I have Mr. Kent Justin Brown. That's a big KJV. Oh, we've gone over this. (sighs) If you all have not listened a few episodes back uh, when we were in our Healthy for the Holiday series, uh, we had Living Single Part 1 and Part 2. Well, the Part 1 was with the fellas. And uh, at that uh, episode, we talked with Justin and Jeremy. (sighs) This is just... I'll continue in my fine and gentry piece. And uh, Justin had just turned 30 and he then proclaimed to the world that he is not Ken Justin Brown anymore. His name is Big KJB. So you got to speak these things into existence. I mean, I mean, you can, but if no one else declares it, then it's just you kind of like whispering in the wood or yelling in the wood. Like if you proclaim Big KJB in a wood and nobody hears it or nobody acknowledges it. Are you still Big KJB? Always. Okay. It's always been in me. That's got it's it. just the revelation for everybody else to get it. Oh, got it. Got it. All Either right. way, I'm still Big KJB. Like, it doesn't change. I mean, if you feel that way about yourself, I mean, it's all about self-actualization. Definitely. And if that helps you, you know, be you better, then congratulations. And we applaud you for that. I appreciate that. <laughs> all right. So. Last time we had him on, uh, we talked about being single uh, and the challenges of what that looks like. Um, and, and for clarification, please, please, for clarification, <laughs> when we say single, we're essentially saying not married. Right. Not necessarily not in a, in a relationship or something like that. But uh, in, in a purest sense, you know, either you're married or you're single. Right. And so um, that, that's where it was. Uh, but we, we, we talked about a lot. And you, you gave us your story, just a tad bit, right? And we touched on uh, kind of your brand and things like that. But we wanted to dive into it a little bit more uh, about uh, about who you are 
um, and I would call it this is kind of a multi-part uh, portion of kind of like fatherhood as well as, um, you know, your brand stay dedicated as well as also being a professional millennial. Uh, and, and one thing I'll say this as we dive into it, one thing that um, and I've told Justin this, so it isn't a surprise. Um, but when I talk to Justin, it feels like I'm talking to myself like <laughs> 10 years uh, earlier or 10 years younger. Uh, so there are often times that I have uh, challenged him and, uh, and encouraged him or uh, cussed him out and saying you can do better because sometimes I'm like, man, that that you you feel you remind me of me and so um if, if that ha- comes out in this uh podcast and you know what what happened there so all right last time we talked you shared about your story where you're from um and, and things like that and um you know you kind of gave your piece so w- would there be more that you would like to add to the story and for those who who had not heard it again you can go back to uh to that episode living single uh part one um, but ultimately, military brat, you kind of moved around. Definitely. Um, but you didn't really, you talked about your parents a little bit, but, but you have a, a, I won't call it a multi-ethnic background, but you're not just straight African-American. You have other cultures that are a part of it, right? Yes, definitely uh, have a West Indian background. My father's Jamaican. Uh, so that whole side of the family uh, immigrated over to the United States. Is he first generation United States? I'm first generation. Technically. Oh, oh yeah. so, okay. He was born and raised in Jamaica. Ah. So all my aunts and uncles over there, they all came over uh, progressively one after another. Uh, my grandmother was one of the first and then the kids came over after. And, and I mean, I grew up on the East Coast. Um, what we, you know, essentially learn is that most Puerto Ricans is it's so it's when I want to say this as a um, is that stereotypical, but a lot of West <laughs> Indians and those from the Caribbean essentially immigrated to New York because of the large population there. Is that your family? Jamaica too? Queens. Jamaica That's Queens. where they, they landed at. McDowell's and all of that. <laughs> all of that. All of that. <laughs> I'm just saying. So like, I wish I was true royalty. <laughs> I mean, but like, did your family, uh, did your family take offense to coming to America? No, no, no. This, this is definitely one of my father's favorite movies. Oh, but That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> All right. And so uh, you talked about kind of um, your your upbringing and uh, we've shared offline and online about the uh, I would say it uh, the high, the level of expectation, high expectation, high expectation that your parents, especially your dad uh, placed on you. So what was that like growing up? I mean, I also I'll, I'll be fair and I'll balance it out. Uh, I put a high emphasis on my father because him being a West Indian immigrant. um and strong expectations from my grandmother onto him, mm. uh, doubled down on him joining the military as oh, well. Okay. So high expectations of being an immigrant in a new land type thing. You always want your children to do better. Plus the 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 structure of the United States Navy. Right. Always trying to get everything right. Always trying to push yourself forward. Being a black man in America, like right. all of that combined. In addition to my mother also being in the Navy as well. Yeah. So there was no. Did they meet in New York or just met in the military? They met in the military. Got it. uh, Early on. Um, So they kind of already had a plan that, like, both of us are going to be in this for the long haul. And that's what they pretty much built the foundation of the relationship on. Uh, So between myself and my younger sister, we're four years apart. That's all we know. Mm. So moving around, um, but still keeping that small family dynamic and making sure that. As a brown, like we we fall in line for who we are, type thing. Like you don't step out of line. Like you're a brown, you're different, type thing. All right, so let's let's <laughs> talk about that, right? So uh, 
different experiences. You 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 know you had a very fairly high um, family dynamic and self uh, or family identity, right? But you also revealed on the on the podcast that you had a child at a very young age. Yes, um, and a very young kind of scene. But but so you, so you so younger than I would have planned, or younger than my family planned. Right. And so what age? Uh, seventeen. Seventeen. You were seventeen, and you had a child. And so, how was that against the backdrop of what Browns do? <laughs> that was completely opposite of whatever a Brown could do, especially for my specific family dynamic. So, I have aunts and uncles who had younger children as well. Right. But for my parents, knowing kind of the the rigor that they went through to uh, bring us up, they never thought this this was a possibility. So, when parents go through like the conversations of like drugs, alcohol, sex. Sex was one of the least mm. talked about things. It's kind of like, all right, he's strong academically. Um, I have plans to go to, to Morehouse, like be able to, to, education was supposed to be like the goal right. to, to get me out of the house, I think. Um, and I, had, I have asthma, so no type of desire for smoking or for drugs. So it's fairly like, all right, he's, he's on track to do what he's supposed to do. And then, and you, then you met women. <laughs> women got involved so it's just um it's in the grand scheme of things when it comes down to fatherhood which is a topic that i mean yeah. we'll probably discuss a lot but uh it really ties into the nature of like no one has a manual for fatherhood but understanding the things that you lacked in your upbringing really does come full circle so my father doesn't have a strong relationship with his father mm. Um, so that level of, he, he missed that, that, that emotional connection. All right. But do you believe that that is a, a contributing factor to where, you know, either, like you said, it was a conversation that wasn't had up front or, I mean, do, do you feel that that was a, I don't call it a missing link, but, uh, one of the things that essentially ended you up in the situation that you found yourself in. I do. So we, at, at this point in our life, we've had these conversations a lot of times. So with my upbringing, my father had a lot of logical, you know, mannerisms, a lot of methods. Like you mess up this, this is the cause and effect type thing. Mm. But there's no level mannerisms for emotions. Everybody feels a different way. Everybody handles things a different way. So whenever he tried to combat, you know, my emotional aspects and errors with logic, we disagreed. Okay. So when it came down to emotions like love and how you feel love and lust he can't combat that there's no there's no speech that can really help you when it's like i feel something and you just telling me no like it's wrong type thing that's good so that lack of conversation that he had with his father made it nearly impossible for him to have it with me so he's out here you know under the impression that hey no i tell my son to do this to go to school you know get good grades he's on track but you, but, but because you felt that you had that emotional gap. Yes. I mean, there's a whole level of topic that's not discussed. Mm. I mean, it showed up in lust, but it also shows out in just level regular uh, emotions of just love. That's real. Like learning how to embrace somebody and just learning how to say, I love you to somebody. Like these are hard steps that I had to kind of figure out on my own. It's, it's interesting. I read recently, uh, I should write these things down, but I read recently that it said that, um, a challenge for men and especially black men, uh, especially fathers to sons, is teaching them how to like show them love and what um, I won't call it platonic love is, but what uh, 
non-sexual love is yes. right so that hey we can be close we can be emotional etc so that you do not fall uh into the trap of looking for that elsewhere right mm-hmm. and, and, and it, it happens various ways right it, it can be drugs alcohol any type of vice um but oftentimes for for men period uh it's it, it's women right or uh in, in black men unfortunately it's been women or the streets something that will show us that we are desired cared for valued, valued yes. right that's and, all it took literally i mean if i look back at my story all it took was somebody just looking me in my face and like hey i want you and i appreciate you for for what you are and, and that's something that was, was just like, missing from my household and you were like bet yeah, let's do this. Let's go. It's easy. Let's go. <laughs> and I mean, ultimately, it resulted in you no know, birth of my daughter. Yeah, uh, which is everything happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. Definitely life changing. Um, it put me in, an, in a very tough turmoil system um, cycle with my father, uh, and overall, my whole family. I mean, my parents became grandparents. Yeah, unwillingly. My sister became an aunt. Became an aunt, like in an instant. Yeah, so. I would say the next three years is literally probably the hardest times of my life from 17 to, to 20, 21 of just like, I don't have the true support of my family. Mm. Uh, I have an infant child, uh, the love of my life per se that I thought is that has diminished and I've uh, stepped foot onto college ground. So now my world is opened mm. and my nose is wide open. Yeah. And you're and like, man, if I had known, yeah. All so, of that. So so you said the first three years. Did it take three years for you guys to not necessarily resolve it, but essentially heal through it? Or was it a longer process? Uh, I think it took three years for us to come to a breaking point mm. of where it's like, all right, our we family, have to address it. the family, close family dynamic that we came to know and love isn't there anymore. Uh, and we're all just withholding these levels of, of feelings and emotions. And it's all kind of boosts back to the same issue. We never learned how to deal with these emotions inside the household. Do you feel that your sister had the same, re- I don't call it reaction, but um, uh, felt the same lack collectively? Or do you think you, like her and your mom uh, had a you know, mother-daughter piece that she was able to to feel a little bit more of that, of that love and, and affection. She definitely had the same lack, but this is where my sister and I differed. So me being the elder child and also being the first, you no, know, being the male, my father had that dynamic where it's kind of like, you know, I'm still trying to figure things out. Got it. So after I kind of defaulted almost, um, my sister got a second, a second chance, a second win. Got it. And my sister, I'm 17. So she's four years younger. So she's 13. She's going through things. Yeah. So instead of taking my route or just being confused, my sister became very outspoken. Oh. So my sister, who is an attorney today, is very like, if I have something on my mind, she's I'm going say to it. say it. Instead, instead of watching it kind of um, devolve or dissolve into something that's unhealthy. Yes. That's real. So, so how, did, how did they take that? Uh, it was different still us being in a similar household function type thing to know like, all right, I'm still getting a lot of backlash and I'm internalizing things differently and I don't know how to express things. And my sister's quite the opposite. Like I'm upset. Yeah. I'm yelling. I'm mm. slamming doors type things. And it's like, they kind of got to respect it because we Which see what weird. happens. If you all, well, 
most of you all probably don't, but Kent is a very uh, cool, calm, and collected person. Does not get very uh, <laughs> emotional on things, etc. Your Enneagram, what five? I'm an Enneagram five. Yeah, and so um, very but all this in context, all this is my Enneagram five is um, post this reconciliation with my family. Mm, okay. So the the Kent Justin that people know now. Is, it's completely different from when I was truly going through it. Yeah. I was an emotional child. Mm. And I had to go through all of this to become the more composed person I am today. Um, because I had to live through, I had to sit in those emotions to really figure it out and really you know, address things head on. That's why I can have a lot of more direct conversations with people because I've sat there and I had to sit in my father's face and be like, hey, we're missing something. You hurt me. Mm. And sit there and, and deal it out. No level of like counseling or therapist type thing. Like us two together, just have man to man. I'm a father. You're a father. Let's have this conversation. And, and do you, how long do you think it took to, to get there? And, and the reason I'm asking kind of like duration and stuff like that, because there's probably some people that's going to listen to this right now. That's like, man, that's me and my dad, right. Or me and my uncle or whatever father figure is out there. Or even me and my mom, right? Yes. Uh, that, hey, I need to have an emotional connection and we need to talk through these things. Um, but just like you hear people talk about business or investing or real estate, this stuff doesn't happen overnight. Uh, you know, do you believe, maybe this pause here, do you believe you would have had this reckoning or this conversation uh, without you you know, essentially defaulting on what the Brown um, dynamic was. No, I don't. I don't believe so. I think um, I don't know if it's necessarily a saying or just an underlying thought of us like kind of successing yourself to sleep type thing. Mm. Like our family dynamic was was successful as the Browns. My both my parents had twenty four years in the Navy. My sister knew she wanted to do law. Mm. Like I was no. I was focused in academics. I could go anywhere I wanted to. My opportunities were, were open. There was no true flaws. Like we were the, the poster family per se, but the, the bubbling of emotions, you no, know, it toppled what, over. Yeah. yeah. And that's really what, what changed it. And even still, I mean, it took, that was a tumultuous three years yeah. to, to go through. And we all kind of had to suffer through that level of trauma and then making the, the conscious decision that, we were not okay with this mm. and coming together to really uh, reconcile. All right. So, so you, you, you've reconciled or, you know, have uh, continued to grow and evolve in this reconciliation. And through this process, you are becoming um, uh, a, a father or, or you are uh, progressing through your fatherhood process. Right. Um, how have you, taken some of those lessons and said, Hey, I'm going to try to address this with my daughter, like explicitly. I mean, it'd be one thing in, in, you know, I don't want to call it ironic or something like that. Like if you had had a son, because it's like now like super smack in the face of Definitely. all these things, but you have a daughter, right. That as you're looking at this, you're like, man, um, I would, I would assume that you're having this conversation in your head. Like, Hey, I need to show her all the love I can so that she doesn't end up on the other side of not having a connection or something like that and, and end up not necessarily like you, but in, in something unhealthy because I'm, because she's looking for that attention or that love that that's lacking there. So how did you uh, essentially 
um, reflect the lessons that you learned into your raising her. Uh, really, I will call it through through adolescence, right? Because she, she's a, she's a preteen now or a teen, pretty much. Um, uh, what? How did you kind of reflect that and try to get better at that? It's very. Uh it's very confusing because just <laughs> understanding just really I have to take a step back and realize like the Lord works in so many mysterious ways. Yeah. So um, on top of me kind of having a, a challenging upbringing when it came down to emotions and then me becoming a father thinking, all right, if I flood in emotions, like I can fill in that gap. Yeah. Um, but it's not as easy. I understand a lot of my father's woes. Mm. I mean, I was raised under this household. I understand that level of structure and how hard it is to to uphold. Yeah. And uh, the true benefits that you see in the future. It's like, you know, you want your child to follow within these rules so they can be successful. Yeah. And then for me, I was blessed with a creative child. Um, and I'm, I as, was as raised far as being like versus right brain versus left brain thinker yes, type thing. Got completely it. opposite. I was raised super analytical, very methodical. Like this is a plus B equals C type thing. My daughter is very much. So why are we using letters? Like, <laughs> um, so that's, that's a direct challenge that we face all the time. It's not a, it's not an issue of emotion. She knows that the love is there. Um, but we, you, you have to figure out how to communicate to her the way that she needs to be. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, the same challenges that my father faced, which was more, you know, logic versus emotions. Mine is more logic versus creativity. Like how do I, I work with creativity in an academic, you know, atmosphere? How do I work with creativity and, um, and even just an emotional atmosphere? Like she expresses her, her love differently than for me, the biggest challenge was just saying, Hey, hey I love you all the time. Like yeah. it's not something I grew up with. So for her, that's natural. But now it's kind of like, all right, what are the other ways that you show I love you? Mm. Like, what do you mean? Like, yeah. I said it, but <laughs> um, she's looking for looking for more. She expresses her I love you in, in a different manner. Um, and that's that's the daily challenge that, that we go through. It's something that I had to, you know, sit back and realize that I can't I can't be overbearing with it just because yeah. I feel like this is what I know is natural for me. And I feel like it's going to be more successful. Me trying to break her into my analytical side is the same thing that my father would have tried to do with me. And and you don't want to make that same. Yeah, of, trying to break that level of generational curse. And so um, I think it's important because I was going to ask a question about, um, you know, you're saying her creative side. And the question was, hey, is her mom a creative person? But I think it's an important note to say that, hey, you and her mom are not together. Right. Yes. So you are you are truly raising in two separate households. Uh, which is uh, is a stressful um, uh, situation for you. It's not a question, as I know, because we've talked about <laughs> yes. that. Um, but but how have you felt that you? Um, well, one is what is her mom creative, right? Or, or you know, a, a a right brain thinker, and then number two, um, you know, how how has that dynamic been in again trying to express it? You know, her being of age now to understand like, oh, my parents were just wilding, you know, <laughs> in high school. And this is what happened. Um, but still in that piece of, hey, we still love you. This isn't like a you weren't you were not playing, but you weren't a mistake type thing. Yes. How, do, how are you navigating that? Because because that plays into that. I love you piece. Right. Because as they get older. Right. And they learn more about their their the choices and consequences yes. in the story. One could think like, well, I mean, 
this seems like this is just a burden to you, dad. Right. And so how are you navigating that space? For one, you don't put me in a, in a place where I got to speak blessings, <laughs> but we being honest, um, I will give her mother more of the creative credits, um, yeah. creative in a different atmosphere, more like I, because of how young we were when we met. Yeah. Me really just piggybacking on that level of structure, like that's who I was. I was the golden child. Like yeah. I followed all the rules per se. Um, and her was more the opposite. She was more the free child. Mm. So that's where that level of creativity comes. So you have options. You can think about different things. You can pursue it in different methods. For me, it was, this is the only method. Yeah. So that really opened up the opportunities for Alexia, my daughter, yeah. to to be more of a free thinker. And that just kind of it blossomed into, all right, that's all I do is free think. Got it. Um, how we kind of handle that is really a lot of communication mm-hmm. through through my discord with my family. We realize that we have to talk. Yeah, as a community, as a people, we just have to learn how to communicate, how to sit down and really have a conversation. So as soon as Alexia became of age to have no logical, no full conversations, that's what we're talking about. Yeah, um, she's known the story of us from very early on. That hey. You're five or six type thing and about 10 years from where you were like, that's when we made a decision. Yeah. And it's tough. And we had a lot of trouble in the beginning, but we're both here because we both love you. Yeah. And we're always going to to do what it takes to make sure it works for you. So, yes, we don't see eye to eye on things. Yes, there's never going to be, you know, that that possibility of of us coming together like that. But the take the take our differences as as a true union of a blessing that you are like you're a part of both of us right so the things that you like or the things that you don't like like you get to ultimately make those decisions on what you want to attribute to yourself and how you want to become a better version of both of us so i'm gonna pivot here but if we're gonna we're gonna come back to it because somewhere in this story your brand stay dedicated comes into the picture right um and you know you know, I'm sure that there's a, you know, I don't know if there was something that triggered that you say, Hey, we need to do something about this or have this conversation or what, but, um, where in this journey did stay dedicated come and, uh, how has that even helped you in this, in this journey, in this communication, straight conversations, et cetera. Yeah. Stay dedicated is, um, definitely a highlight of, of, of my journey. Stay dedicated came to me, I wasn't necessarily, um, it wasn't uh, an innate project that I wanted to, to join. Mm. So background to it, I mean, having Alexia 17, uh, went off to college, uh, University of Texas Arlington. At UCA, I was known, I kind of worked my way up to leadership ranks, so I was fairly known, but also I was super busy mm-hmm. working in also Alexia. So Alexia, at times, when she became of a certain age, I think, would be with me. Yeah. So I was known as kind of like, all right, this guy who's super busy, also pledged Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated, mm-hmm. um, but also have my daughter. Like, it's, it became a weird anomaly. Like, so I'm I know. there. How was that dynamic with the ladies? That kind of ties into it, too. All right. <laughs> like, I was known, but also, like, I was known as, like, uh, the, the single father type thing. Yeah. Um, but I never really wanted to like glow it in that type thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I stayed kind of to myself a lot, or I kind of kept a smaller circle, but I was still known. Yeah. Um, but it's something I never really spoke about. It's kind of like people would know I'm a father, but I never really had a conversation with people because there's not too many other fathers here. 
if they're no here, they're dipping off after class and right. they're going to their work. commuters, stuff like that. Yeah, not yeah. too many people are going to handle the fatherhood aspect and also be a leader yeah. on campus. Uh, that means saying one of my close homeboys from, from college, he became a father as well, kind of later on in his college career. And he was like, all right. He would come to me, but like, I don't know you? what I'm doing. Yeah. Like, how am I going to do this? I was like, all right, bro, like, this is what you do. This is the, the basics of it. And it kind of put me in a weird place. Like, I'm kind of seasoned at this. Like, mm. I have a six, seven-year-old, and, like, y'all are really trying to figure this out. And he was like, man, we just need to sit down and we need to talk about it. Yeah, that's good. So he presented it to me, and I was like, nah, like, I don't need any, I don't need any acclaim for this. Like, yeah. I know I'm at a better place now, but this came from a lot of hurt. Like this <laughs> was a rough journey. Ready to have yes. this conversation yet? Um, and I really had to pray on it because he was he was serious. Like, hey, like this is early on podcasting times. Like, yeah. all right, let's no, let's get some equipment and let's really talk about. it. And I was like, let me pray. Like for real, I'm not one for my friends. My circle of trust they know my story. But putting something on the internet, which is my degree, pretty much, I know how that goes. Like, yeah. this is going to be out there forever. You can go one way, either well or poorly. Yeah, and if yeah. I'm in the wrong state of mind one day and I just go <laughs> off, like, that's out there. So I was very precautious about it. But ultimately, we decided to come together and we just like, all right, we're two single black fathers. Let's talk about it. On that level, just principle, just being a, a black man, a black father, like, all right, we do have a platform and I do feel like, I do have a certain level of knowledge and resource that I could help out people with. So they don't have to necessarily go through all the things that I went through. Right. And I'm already doing it. Like we were already having these regular conversations. Just like, so, all right. So might as well put it on wax. Put it on wax. It just yeah. came down to a level of comfort. And that's where it stayed dedicated coming from. It's like, all right, let's at least get a lot of these uh, myths coming out. So like child support was a big episode that we did. Mm. I've been on child support since like day one. So yeah. People have a, a misconception about it. And also there's some things that are right about it, but let's talk about it. Um, and also we wanted to, our dynamic presented a, uh, an openness of like, all right, I'm on child support, but like he wasn't on child support. Mm. Uh, ultimately fast forward, you know, two years later, like he married the mother of his child. Got it. Mine is never going to happen. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, we wanted to, after it started, like we started working it out. It's like, all right, we do have a true platform that we can constantly like, Explore the ins and outs of just what fatherhood is. So, 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 how was it received initially? Right. So, I mean, it was his vision. You prayed on it. You was like, all right, cool. We're already having these conversations. Um, how how was it initially received? Were people like, oh man, this y'all? I'm glad for y'all to have this conversation. Or people still kind of like standoffish of number one, what is a podcast? Or number two, that's a taboo topic. I don't know if we want to listen to it. It was it was actually received fairly well. It was one of my first opportunities of kind of like stepping on my own voice type thing. Okay. Within a lot of my leadership roles, I was stepping on like the the name of the organization. Mm. Um, so even like with Alpha, like I'm Justin the Alpha per yeah. se, like. This is kind of like this is just Justin and and my co-host Zach and yeah. it's like our our children. Yeah. So people know they can see Alexia, but you don't necessarily know who she is or the story of how she came about. So right. now it's really just me us stepping on our own names and our own purpose. Uh, so that was it was received well because I mean we're both stand up people. Mm -hmm. um, and people can clearly see like the work that we're putting in, like just being a father and being present. Stands for a lot in today's society. That's true. Um, so people actually rallied behind it. And that's kind of what we, we needed to kind of get that green light and get that that welcoming support. So you so you you all 
uh, finished season three, right? Yes, we just we just wrapped up season three. So you're coming into season four here or, or prepping into it. Um, where, where do you see yourself going next, right? So, I mean, you guys talk about a lot of stuff. I mean, I know your first season was kind of, you know, I don't call it Mythbusters, but like, hey, let's truly talk through really all of was, these, yeah. yeah, all of these portions of it. Um, and then second season, you guys kind of went into, you know, call it, uh, I won't call it current events, but current events up we, against. We loosened up a little yeah, bit. So yeah. people wouldn't kind of, we, the first season, we hit a lot of heavy topics. Yeah. Um, second season, we kind of loosened up in this third season. We really stuck to a lot of more current events. Like, all right, what is, what's happening, especially in 2020 with us yeah. just being black men and black, black fathers. Like that's a whole different context. When something happens, yes, when a George Floyd happens or I talk to Yana Jefferson happens, like, it affects us as black people, but now I have a as daughter. A daughter. Yeah. Like this is this is a conversation I can't just have in my head. I have to have this conversation with her. Yeah. So that was like, all right, let's talk about these things that are really happening on a day to day. So that was kind of the natural progression of where we got to for our first three seasons. Got it. Season four is, I mean, it's very very open. We're also kind of looking into. We kind of talked about our stories and our versions, but there's so many different you no know, diaspora of just. Black fatherhood. And ultimately, we, we, I think our biggest challenge is, is conquering the, the elephant in the room, the black father who exactly. doesn't feel confident being the black father or mm. is not involved. That's good. Like, it, it has to be talked about. We can, we can sing our own praises all day, but, right. but there, we but wouldn't there, have there, to if there's a stigma right. already out there. there there's, a, there's a yin and a yang to mm-hmm. it, right? And so you have to be able to address the, the opposite side of it. That's going to be good. That's going to be good. All right, so... Um, with, with that backdrop, right, um, now you are coming into a season where your daughter is in middle school. Before you know it, she's going to be in high school up <laughs> against, I know you don't want to think about it, but up against, I mean, essentially the, you know, like you said, when you were having a conversation, she was five or six, like 18 years ago. Like now it's like, hey, five, four, three, two, one, one is right, here. is here. Um how how do you plan to and I mean we're not there like there's no manual or anything like that but how do you plan to continue to evolve your parenting your fatherhood uh, your your approach to I don't call it remain relevant and uh, and connected um, and to you know still tell the story and help her understand right because I mean let's be honest. When we were children, the older you got, the more you got into your teenager years, the more that you looked at outside influence mm-hmm. and less at your inside influence. So how do you plan to, st- <laughs> I like this, how do you plan to stay dedicated <laughs> through this process um, and encouragement for others that might be going through the same thing? Uh, so multi-layered. It's a uh, lot in there, yeah. I mean, I will say the fourth forefront thing that comes to my mind is also just leading by faith. Mm. Like, along with you know the plethora of things I do, I'm, I also have a, a strong leadership position at our at our church. Mm-hmm. And Alexia has been with me throughout that growth of that process. So it's not something that's um, foreign to her. Right. That you no know, faith is what keeps us going. Like this is how we even got to this point. Uh, and also just having a strong backing in the word so she knows her true value and so right. she's not going to be easily deceived. But we all know sometimes PK kids or, you know, kids that are around it all the time find other avenues. They find other avenues. Plus, yeah. plus this is my podcast. Niggas is slick. Yes. 
you know. So, but <laughs> part two is we've both been. Yeah, <laughs> we've both been there. I like I, I can speak to the avenue. Right. I still got a pulse on the streets like this. <laughs> like I'm there. Us being only 17 years apart, like yeah. I could pop up. That's real. That's real. <laughs> Yeah, I so I think thirty plus years for my kids. They're <laughs> like, you know nothing bad, but yeah. Having that certain level of vulnerability, like really, like we kind of started this conversation, especially with our preteen age. Like, yeah. I I was them. I was like, this was your mother. Yeah. And we, in order not to say that you can't go down the the same route type thing, but let's think about this. Mm. Like, let's make some some better decisions or make decisions that are more unique for you. That's good. Um, and it can really it ties back into that level of conversation. It, these are awkward conversations. Yeah. Especially for my child. My child's creative. She don't care about any of this. She wanna go color, yeah. like That's or real. paint. But we ha- I have to prepare her for the boy who doesn't care about painting, or the boy who only cares about painting, or the boy that's a really good painter. Yeah, or the or the boy <laughs> who's a really good painter. Like I have to like download these into her head. So she's like, All right, at least I know my father like instilled this into me and yeah. it's it's an ever-changing target. So every single time we're having, every time we're together, we're having a certain level of conversation. I'm like, hey, how's your mental? Like, yeah. this is a whole different thing. Like, my father never asked me how how am I doing or, like, what what's going on in my head? Like, I have a conversation with my daughter about anxiety. That's like, real. Which I, I think either, I don't want to say it's more prevalent now, but I think it's more accepted and more discussed now, right? Yes. You have shows about anxiety. You have all these things about what children are going through. Like when I grew up, man, I mean, like you had some stuff on the Cosby show. You had, you know, uh, Full House or um, uh, Family Matters and stuff like that. But it wasn't, I mean, the deep topic was, you know, maybe a bully or something like yes. that. But it wasn't about like depression and anxiety and feeling of self-worth or at least it wasn't as um as direct in the conversation right we were just talking earlier about the the show euphoria right Mm -hmm. and like legit before and after the show depending on the episode number one it gives you disclaimer like hey there's some stuff going on in here but it's like yo (laughs) if you on the show it says if you need help contact this number, mm-hmm. right? Because it's going through all these things about drug addiction and teens and anxiety and teens and depression and, you know, the feeling of self-worth and all these things, right? You didn't have that. There was not, it was either taboo. Super taboo. And it was not talked about. And so, you know, to your same point, like, hey, you have to have these honest conversations. You have to have them involved. all the time. Do in this question, I mean, I know that you and her mom don't necessarily have the... Um, you know, a uh, rosy relationship, et cetera. But do you all actually calibrate on how to share this message with her? Or is it kind of like, Hey, I, uh, trust and have faith, <laughs> I, have faith I, that you are <laughs> communicating something similar. <laughs> uh, I have trust in Jesus. There it is. Okay. I mean, and that's, that's like, it speaks to the, the whole role with stay dedicated. Like yeah. I, I truly speak for that single father who know, Situations might never get better, but that's good. I, I have to I have to handle what I can. Yeah, what's right in front of me, and that's the reality. Like we're going through changes, and and our daughter, and we won't see eye to eye on that. Yeah. But when she's with me, or I mean, even when she's not, making sure I have that relationship and I have that level of trust that 
we I'm always going to try to push what's best, what I believe was best for her. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Do you believe that has been it's gotten easier or harder in fatherhood? Ooh. Sheesh. <laughs> um, I would say it's gotten easier, but I know I'm on the cusp of one of my most adverse yeah. times in, in my life. Yeah. Like I speak about, you know, the three years where like my family wasn't, no, I'm one accord. Now we're all on one accord. We're great type thing. So now it's going to be just a direct challenge between me and my daughter Yeah, because she's going to have to try to piece all of this together and make decisions on what she determines to be right or wrong. Yeah. And I have to give her the space and opportunity to do so, or I become just like my father. I'm just going, I'm going to hit you with it. Right. So a couple of years from now, she comes home, daddy, I'm pregnant. Right. I mean, are you, are you judgmental? Are you accepting? Like, how, you know, I think it's very, it's very interesting for parents to see their child making the same mistake or going down the same path that they made. And you're looking like, don't do it. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, read some literature on the subject. You sure? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like legit for, for my Jay-Z friends. And everybody, you know I mean? But, but like, you know, um, you know, what, what do you, you know, I'm sure you've thought about that scenario. Yes. Right. Or other scenarios where you've like said, man, I, I don't do the same mistake that I did. How, how do you reconcile in yourself on scenario planning? I guess I will call it right. How do you, or have you scenario planned in your head, in your mind, daydream, like, Hey man, if this happens, how do I respond? Because it can't be like, I'm holier than thou because you did it. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I've, I've dipped my, my toe in it. I, I try not to, to get super hypothetical in my mind. There's you no know, infinite levels of yeah. problems and solutions. Um, but I know the level of, of disappointment and beating myself up is something that I, I don't foresee myself having. Okay. Like, Living every day, kind of knowing that I'm putting my best foot forward, I, I'm very conscious about the actions I take. So when it comes down to fatherhood and parenting, like literally the reason I'm doing these things is because I believe it's the best action. Got it. So every best action I feel like, you know, I'm putting forward, whatever effect that I get from that or result I get from it, that's what I have to accept. Yeah. And even though I wouldn't want this, you no, know, this timeline, I know it's possible to, to continue to proceed. Like right. it's not a, it's not a destitute, no loss right. of hope type thing, right. like end of the world. Like everything happens for a reason. So this is the, the cards that we have, the cards that we played ourselves pretty much like, That's real. so let's figure out what we're going to do. Hey man. I just, I, I won't say I easily could have been you, but there's, I, I made some very bad decisions in high school college all over the place and so um hey amen kudos to you on on handling it uh the best way that anybody can right taking it head on being able to uh live in it heal from it right uh, continue important. to heal in it uh and, and go from there all right so uh two last questions here and then we'll, <laughs> we'll close it out um the first one is what do you um 
if there was one piece of nugget, right, or something that you would want to share to somebody, the younger you, right, and not the uh, pre-kid, but, you know, the the younger uh, single father, you know, that may not have the best relationship with their mom or even somebody that's like your age, right, somebody that has a younger person, um, you know, what's, what's, your, what's your takeaway, what's your key advice that you give them on how to navigate this? Ooh, navigate, when you say this, are you talking about navigate, like fatherhood? Navigate fatherhood, a single parent, uh, the challenges that they are, are going to see, et cetera. Like, if somebody roll up to you like, hey, man, I love what you're doing. You know, this is my scenario. Um, you know, if you, you know, what, what you got for me? Like, hey, you, you got anything of encouragement or something like that? Like, hey, hey, man, I'm struggling. What... Do you got a word for me, something that'll help me get through this? Man, I don't want it to be super cliche, but it kind of is, I think. It's more of the notion that love conquers all. That's good. Like, in every aspect where I feel like I've, I've fallen short or I feel like I didn't do my best or things didn't work out the way I wanted, if I would have taken a step back and just said, like, I did what I felt was right because I you know I had true love for this or love for this person type thing, uh, it alleviates that level of of concern and doubt of yeah. kind of like weariness type thing. Yeah. And for me, a real pivotal point in my life was you no know, the birth of Alexia, but also me, you no know, getting baptized. Like understanding like the love that Christ has for me is the love that I should give to to everyone. That's good. And it really just opens up your mindset of how you can go about life. All right. Like choosing love over everything. Not necessarily making it just an emotional appeal. It's like, oh I love all of this. So I'm choosing to no, not hold myself accountable, but yeah. because I'm holding myself accountable because I love you no know, my child, I love this person, I love the relationship that we have, I love the relationship that we can have. Yeah. Like, um, really putting that in the forefront will really kind of just open up your mind and really help you push through a lot of the negativity that you're going to face in life. That's you, good. Everything's gonna have a level of adversity. That's good. All right. Last thing is a new thing I'm asking my guest here. Uh, obviously, this is. Uh, all things fine and gentry, um, and you know, essentially being a good father and, and and loving yourself, being in tune, et cetera, is a reflection of fine and gentry. But um, being connected with the with the brand and everything like that, um, how do you feel that you live out a fine and gentry lifestyle? Like, if there's one <laughs> thing that you you would say, you know, hey, I I. Um, I embody uh, a characteristic or something like this. Or if you were to say, hey, this is one thing about me that is fine and gentry, what would that be? I mean, this is big KJB. Oh, so <laughs> everything I do is, is fine and gentry. Uh, <laughs> I will say um, an aspect of fine and gentry for one is I really take from, from you, the connoisseur is never stop learning. That's good. Like That's good. it's, it, we us just being together and like feeding off of each other. It's always every conversation we have, we're we're learning a tidbit about something. And one thing about the connoisseur, if he doesn't know it, he's out. going to find out. And just that that knack and that yearn for knowledge uh, changes, just changes regular conversation. Like That's you good. can't say something and be like, I don't know. <laughs> like what? Now you look at somebody crazy. Like figure it out. Like. <laughs> There's, there's a thing called books. It's the internet. Like, we can figure this out. And that's what really just, uh, keeps everything going and keeps it moving. That's good. 
Hey, well, I appreciate you coming on the podcast today. Uh, hopefully a lot of people got some good things about it. Uh, and, and, you know, for the fathers out there, um, you know, we want to encourage you to, to stay on this fatherhood path, stay encouraged and, and things along those lines. So say somebody wants to get in touch, uh, connect with you, understand more about your journey, uh, either hear some of season one, two, three, where four is going, or just uh, uh, get that piece of advice. How can they get in touch with you and connect? All things fatherhood, definitely go to at Stay Dedicated. Okay. Um, you can check us out at staydedicated.com. We're on Instagram, Facebook. Uh, on a personal note, you can follow me at Just a Fiasco. Not, not at Big KJB? That's, that's the name. It's on there. <laughs> but Just a Fiasco is the, is the at. Uh, and that's J-U-S-T underscore A underscore P-H-I-A-S-C-O. Got it. Hey, man, again, appreciate you being on the podcast. And for all those that are listening today, hope you guys have enjoyed it. As uh, as always, we ask that you would uh, like, share, review, rate this uh, this episode, share with your friends, let us know what you think, uh, and even other topics that you may feel that might be uh, of, of interest to you. So I appreciate, appreciate each and every one of you all, and uh, we will see you after a while.